everyone, and welcome in to the Irish NFL show with me, Colm Cronin. And today, delighted to be joined by a first-time guest to the show, but will be familiar to many of you listening. He is the journalist with News Talk. He was previously with Off the Ball. He's also a DCU alumnus, given where I work, uh, I need to, to get that in for the alumni office and for Derek Keogh. Um, welcome to the, the show, Ronan Mullen. How are you doing? I'm great, Colin. Thanks very much for having me and for the introduction as well. I appreciate you you taking the, the time to, to chat to me. And we will get into your um, NFL uh, affiliations and, and your interests, but I suppose I'm interested in terms of journalism running and when that became an interest was it something that you were always interested in or or how did that come about that that th- you chose this to be your path yeah well i think going back to school like uh, certainly secondary school i think english probably would have been my favorite subject and the, probably the main subject i was good at yeah. my teachers have probably backed that up and then um so that was kind of central to any decisions thereafter i was thinking I'm going to focus on journalism, something writing based, or at least the language is based. And uh, so that was kind of the kernel which kicked it off. And then subsequently, as I went, pursued it at my alma mater there, DCU, and ended up doing journalism. And just by dint of that, you end up in all the different strands. So it's needless to say, it's not just about traditional print journalism, the school you in, everything, broadcast journalism, be it radio, TV, then the more digital and the thing so this would have been I would have been leaving DC in 2016 and by that stage obviously the the metaverse or whatever you want to call it these days but like the new age of journalism had really kicked into gear so you got a good schooling in that and then as you'll also be familiar with the intro process column where um you kind of you're given sort of it's one of the brilliant things about that course actually that you get an automatic job placement and it's normally with top national titles be it you know print and, and TV and radio, as I mentioned. And it was just so happened that um, I enjoyed the radio module, applied for Off The Ball because, you know, I, I'd already loved Off The Ball to that point and was a regular listener. And uh, those two things coalesced nicely and I, I got into the Off The Ball placement and was really there ever since. So um became full-time in 2017, but was basically there from the summer of 2016. So um, that kind of set me on that path and it was just brilliant going in there every day talking sport for eight hours and then going home you know you couldn't ask for a better gig than that so um yeah that's kind of how i pursued journalism and I ended up where i did yeah no it's always uh kind of interesting to to hear and yeah the the interest set up is is fantastic and can lead to um you know some kind of really interesting job situations for for people look in ireland i suppose we are we're blessed that there are a whole host of sports that for us to be interested in and pretty top level sports. But I'm always interested in how people come to be NFL fans because it's something you kind of have to to seek out, you know? And yeah. the, the Sam Maguire, the Liam McCarthy and, and the Premier League are kind of in your face, but the NFL isn't. So what's your NFL origin story, Ronald? Yeah, it's a really good point because I remember um, when I was trying to get my foot in the door in the broader journalism space, it was like everybody's writing about those sports you mentioned. Everybody's writing about Gaelic games, football, you know, soccer, that is. All these mainstream sports, quote unquote. 
and they're much more qualified than me. So I tried to find my way by, I wrote a lot about boxing, which is probably one of my main passions and kind of established myself in that regard. And similarly did some bits for the examiner, um, freelance stuff on NFL. And I remember doing previews of this very memorable, um, Denver Broncos winning the Super Bowl against the, the Seattle Seahawks and, um, a forgettable, let's say a forgettable game in terms of the competitiveness of it, but a very memorable lead in and some very memorable moments within it. So, um, uh, so it was, that was kind of how I got into the NFL. Actually, sorry, Denver Broncos beating the Carolina Panthers, I should say. It was off the back of, um, a couple of years after the, uh, obviously the, the Seahawks say, uh, I didn't want to remind you of this column, but I just found myself in this, uh, this train of thought. But then anyway, um, in terms of my actual original beginnings, um, following the sport, it would actually date back to another famous game, the 07 Super Bowl, um, 07 season, 08 Super Bowl with the New England Patriots and the Giants. And I was watching match of the day. And, you know, they were kind of bigging up this undefeated Patriots season. And I was kind of drawn in by the lure of Tom Brady and, you know, this, uh, could the plucky underdogs beat the, the favorite thing and finally started watching that game through to the end. And I, like the NFL had always been on my radar, like in the, in the background and I loved the, the pomp and circumstance around it and, and that kind of thing. So. Those two factors uh, combined together and ended up with me um, kind of falling in love with the sport. So I had to pick a team then after that and then this uh, random selection. Um, I have no real ties to Baltimore or Maryland, but um, I just they were, that was the team I landed on, essentially. Yeah, I've, I was loving it there. You know, the, the DCU connection, talking about the examiner and, and then brought up the um, the Broncos tobacco. Like it's, yeah, it looked up. It was like I was them. Them knew there was a one memorable game there involving the Broncos and one not so memorable game. It turned out they got the job done against Carolina. It wasn't exactly uh, it wasn't exactly pulsating. But the defense, like this, is the thing a lot of people say because if the offense isn't firing all of a sudden, there, it's not an entertaining game. But what some of the defensive work in that game was just was something to behold. And Peyton Manning was glad to have an armchair ride. I'd say. Yeah, some of the, the stories around the keep to leave, but the Broncos are amazing at getting to Super Bowls and, and getting like, that isn't even the, the worst loss. The 49ers put 55 points up on us. And way back when, we gave up 35 points in a single quarter um, to to the Washington. So, um, yeah, we specialize in, you know, um, kind of really losing the, the run of ourselves in a, in a Super Bowl context. But it's interesting in terms of, you know the the Ravens because they aren't a team like you mentioned. This was the lower the the Patriots, and I even saw today Emma Ryan was tweeting that there's Tom Brady graffiti somewhere in uh, Dublin Six. Uh, so so the Tom Brady cult is is still strong, but the Ravens are not a team that get a whole lot of love over here. Um, mm. they, it's you know they they're traditionally a pretty gritty team and kind of always have been, and even in that first Super Bowl win. Um, with with Shannon Sharp, it was the the defense that kind of they were they were known for. In terms of uh, look, right, you know when when you kind of became a fan and the uh, the transition in, into Lamar, I suppose Jim. But Harbaugh has always been the coach, and is yeah. 15, fifteen years two two losing seasons within that time. 
I, as a non-Ravens fan, I'll put a little bit of an asterisk beside last year, given the injuries. But I'm interested in your thoughts on on his tenure as, as a fan. Like, what are your thoughts on Harbaugh? Yeah, you're, you're spot on because he's all I've known, really. And I would have obviously watched the America's Game and, you know, kind of re- reverse engineering my fandom through to the, the pre-Harbaugh years and Brian Billick and everything that went with that. It's just such an amazing team and origin story. And Ozzie Newsom's just, like, probably the best that ever did it in that position. So it's just, uh, like... I actually, I kind of landed on them randomly, but ultimately was was delighted I did. It was actually, I'm from Dundalk and there's a Dundalk in Maryland. So that's kind of another reason that I was able to, uh, to tie it to if I'm going to put my hat anywhere. But yeah, Harbaugh, like it's one of these weird ones where I think, I think he's the best man for the job, but you're never, you're never going to be sure unless, you know, if someone comes in and does a better job, it's kind of one of those, I'd be afraid. I'd never be the one to pull the trigger and say, get rid of him because he's gotten us to a certain level so regularly and you've you've called out the stats there and the way he was able to reverse course you know midstream on that first Lamar Jackson season where basically Lamar comes in and the after Flacco goes down and the much maligned and now departed Greg Roman um, managed to put together a really impressive offense that you know the the Ravens were nowhere near playoff contention that first year. They didn't have a, a they didn't have personnel built to play to Lamar's strength, and managed to get there. And then we saw what happened when we had a fully healthy uh, Lamar quarterback and that MVP season. So, I think you hit the nail on the head that Harbaugh hasn't had the full deck available to him with this quarterback for most of his, you know, which could be like most of his tenure in in Baltimore which could be coming to an end at this point so that's somewhat unfortunate and also like I don't want to be I don't want to be dwelling on too many di- different factors here Colin I'm sure you have other questions but like you look at Lamar Jackson's contemporaries and he came into that draft class and said I'm going to bring a Super Bowl to Baltimore and there was, a, there was often times where he thought he was going to deliver on that promise but they did really do enough to to compliment him in terms of personnel like you look at Josh Allen, the wide receivers that were at his disposal. Even look at Joe Burrow come in laterally, and you know you've got Chase there to throw to. Whereas the Ravens have always been a, it's a random pick and mix of, of wide receivers, and you're relying on Lamar to do it all with legs. So it's been frustrating, sometimes exhilarating, but I'd say frustration has been the main theme for the last couple of years. Yeah, and I kind of want to pick up on that piece around Lamar and that piece about you know have the Ravens essentially wasted his rookie contract because given what he showed in the second year as I said they just didn't seem to put the weapons around him and is it because it, it feels like that piece that that's what all kind of teams have done now maybe following the Bills playbook a little bit but we've seen it with the Bills you've seen it with Miami you've seen it with the Eagles did it just happen too early or, or were the Ravens just too stingy or, or were they just too focused on defense? Because obviously we're going to we'll probably get into the contract situation, but it is the, the, the biggest thing in the NFL right now is having a superstar QB on a rookie deal. The Ravens had that. It kind of goes on with MVP, but it feels like, yeah, like did they just think he was Superman? Yeah. They must have bought into it a little bit. Like, you, you know, try to think of who's the marquee receiver. If you had to pick 
the best receiver he's had. Like, even excluding that first season, because Michael Crabtree is a very serviceable receiver, but he was brought in for Joe Flacco, really. And then he departed. And then Sammy Watkins, you know, if Sammy Watkins ever stayed healthy, he'd be a really good player, but that's just never, it's never been the case. So, like, it, it must be frustrating for Lamar, and I'm sure these frustrations have been borne out in, in, the, stand, in the standoff that's emanating at the moment. But, like, he has never had a digs or a chase because, like, the, again, the frustration must be it's always thrown at him that he doesn't throw deep. We actually, he's not he's not as bad as advertised in that regard. And, like, his, his riposte would be, who am I supposed to be thrown to? You know what I mean? We had Hollywood Brown come in and, you know, they had that nice kinship. And Hollywood Brown was, was a game breaker and a good player, but, like, not a number one and dropped too many balls to, to be considered as such. So it has been frustrating, like, Again, I mentioned Ozzy Newsom at the start, and and he's obviously left in this period. Like he brought Lamar in, and then that was kind of his thank you or goodbye present to the franchise. But I don't think they've quite done enough to accentuate the positive in that regard. And yet they still do get good value on the defensive side of the ball, so you can't really have any qualms with what they do on that in that side year on year. But um, it is a bit frustrating as a fan when you see, especially in division. Uh, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, who's older than Lamar Jackson, getting all these flowers um, when I don't think Lamar has been given the same cast of characters, essentially. And in terms of where where we find ourselves now with the contract, what way do you seeing it, it playing out? You know, we're five thousand miles removed, admittedly, but what, does it get resolved? Does he get traded? What do you think happens? It's hard to know, isn't it? Like, I think the wind seems to be blowing in the direction of he's done in Baltimore, which is just would have been unfathomable. Like, I used to be going on off the ball and talking to, say, Joe, for example, who wouldn't be watching week on week. And I'd just be like, I have to stay up until four o'clock in the morning to watch Lamar Jackson every week because this is like unmissable television. He was just the way he was playing in that MVP season. And you're thinking he's going to be the face of the franchise. Like, Ed Reed is probably my favorite. A raven of all time and then he'd be Lamar would have been slotting in second there it's going to be hard to um, to make that case if he if he departs true so bold on his part like the way he's managed this situation I'm not overly enamoured with um, I take the point he looks at Deshaun Watson and the circumstances that go with him and around him and probably can't understand it he's getting paid so much but in most cases a quarterback, a quarterback gets paid and then it's the next guy's turn to get the next bump up. But I think that Watson thing's going to have to stand alone because no other owner is going to want to replicate that deal as far as I can tell. So I don't know if it's going to be like equity in the in the salary cap because the salary cap's obviously going to be going up in the next couple of years. Is that the way they're going to do it over the next few seasons? I think I probably have to agree with the consensus. I think he's probably going to go and... Um, the Ravens are probably going to franchise tag him let him talk to a few other teams if he can find that daily once they get two first round picks I think and they might be able to turn that into as you said finding a good rookie and, and building around them maybe having a better go at it second time around or Justin Fields like I don't know to what extent the Bears are kind of telling people what they want to hear by sussing out the draft class for quarterback or maybe they, they think Fields is their guy and they're just trying to maneuver and get get a better get some picks or get someone to trade up to number one but yeah 
Unfortunately, I think he's probably going to go. I, I mean, it, it, the contract piece is really interesting because the you mentioned the Deshaun Watson and, and owners aren't going to do it. And, well, the NFA, NFLPA will tell you that they, they aren't going to do it because they've colluded and uh, uh, come together to, to block um, at, like fully guaranteed uh, contracts. And um, I know that that is something that came up uh, again during during Super Bowl week, um, Maurice Smith um, kind of, you know, strongly, strongly hinting at it again and that there may be a, a case. So that might be something to keep an eye on. It. As you mentioned, the, like you mentioned, Joe Burrow, the divisional side of things, for Lamar, I imagine it being in division is probably another factor. But if he was to go, there was some talk earlier um, today, I know Kevin Cole had on, on his podcast in terms of what the Ravens might look for and the fact that they might look to, because ordinarily you can only get three um, first round picks. That's the most, or three um, in the in the future. But if you were to do it on um, draft night, technically you could make it four. Would, would four uh, first round picks soften the blow of Lamar leaving? It, poss- it possibly would. I possibly would because there's also the the durability factor, and I was always loath to get on board with that criticism of him because um, he was he never had those issues in college, and for the first little part of his career, he wasn't so injury prone. But now it's a very real concern that he hasn't finished the last two seasons, and you know, it's if someone's willing to take a chance on that and like divulge that much in terms of draft capital, the Ravens would certainly have to listen. I don't know if you saw the end of season press conference um, with Eric DaCosta and John Harbaugh literally I think the day after the, the Bengals defeat and they were just like they were talking about Lamar in certain terms as this is our quarterback this is what we're thinking even the new offensive coordinator would seem to tie into this narrative of trying to vary up the offense a bit so all the signs from the Raven uh external voice if we want to call it that or that's you know he's our guy but um i think quietly they're maybe making peace with the fact that they're going to have to move on from and probably putting some thought into where those four picks would go and i wonder is there someone within could they put the package together and try and get someone within the league i mentioned fields there but um it's a it's a tricky one it's um it's a bit unfortunate like like i never saw if lamar jackson was gonna leave I didn't think it would end in these circumstances where it just kind of petered out into nothing like it's hard to put your finger on your last abiding memory of Lamar Jackson in a in a Ravens jersey and that's kind of it's a bit sad I think yeah and I mean it will be interesting to to see where it goes because you know I suppose like rarely have have we seen um you know somebody of Lamar's ability kind of come on the, the market out of his age with Peyton Manning it was kind of I mean it was free agency for for Peyton and for for Tom Brady but you had injury you had age and with Deshaun Watson you had all of the um sexual assault or harassment allegations so for somebody you know like like LeBar, it's it's kind of unprecedented it would be interesting to to see in terms of that injury piece that that you mentioned there, there seemed to be after the season, some of his teammates kind of coming out saying that, and and kind of rumblings maybe from the the front office as well 
that they felt maybe Lamar kind of could have pushed it, could have could have played. I I always have ever said I just feel look players can are entitled to make business decisions, franchises make them all all the time. But do you think as a, as a fan of the Ravens, do you think he like he really could have could have pushed it or should he have pushed it? I mean look at what happened to RG3 but is there a little bit of you as as a fan that kind of thinks well we were you know we could have had a, a playoff run and we came so close to beating the, the Bengals yeah 100% because you're, you're sitting there and again watching these clips post game and little snippets on the Baltimore Ravens Twitter and like certainly for a couple of weeks it was oh Lamar's not so far away he should be back and then every week I'm just checking the injury report and he's still listed as injured to a point where you're like, oh, they're saved up for the playoffs. And then the playoff spot was getting into a little bit of jeopardy and you're thinking he might come back early, didn't. And then didn't even travel for the Bengals game, which is, you know, like atypical, I think. I think most quarterbacks, even if they're injured, would go with the team for to be a sounding board. And as you touched on, like, the Ravens, and again, Roman does get a lot of stick or had been getting a lot of stick when he was in situ. But, like, they should have won that game. You know, it was a 14-point swing against the Bengals, who a lot of people favoured to um to win it all at that juncture and you know were it not for that crazy play on the goal line they would have won so the system does win out and in some ways in a weird way it, it's a win for the negotiation power of the of the ravens to be like you know we can probably find someone probably not quite as good as you but if we can find an 80 percent replica then we probably be just fine and then his kind of situation is probably for another podcast i'm sure you don't die but like his his um his non-Asian stance, which is admirable to, to do it on your own. But like, he's missing out on a lot of commercial deals, which would probably supplement the money he's after, if you know what I mean. Like Baker Mayfield was getting any amount of money uh, for these commercials. It seems my American friends were telling me he's on every second ad uh, when, after he had that rookie season where he won rookie of the year. But uh, Lamar never really got any of that. Like he was on the cover of Madden, like would have gotten up front fee for that, I'm sure. But that's kind of it, like, and um, I just wonder, as much as I admire him for for doing the deals himself, um, I just wonder, uh, is it the best course? Because he finds himself now having turned down a pretty sizable offer, and like those were just those were just the superficial terms that we saw um, that were leaked, and you know, there's all this talk about guaranteed money as in money that goes straight into your bank account but like there are deals to be done where very easily achievable incentives that could have been in that deal that we don't know about so I'm I'm kind of I wouldn't be so quick to jump on his side which I would have been uh, probably previously and you know it's gonna it's gonna hit like the draft's not so far away and as you mentioned if they're gonna do something on draft night that stuff's gonna be rumbling at the moment so it's probably, I don't know, from my perspective, it certainly is, but it probably is the outstanding storyline of this offseason, maybe the Aaron Rodgers, will he, won't he? Um, because you, as you said, he's so young and like Lamar chapter two could be even better than Lamar chapter one, depending on where he ends up. Yeah, I mean, you're talking, one of the QBs is getting a lot of love. Obviously, this in this year's draft is Max Duggan, who's older than Lamar. <laughs> Close to the end of his his rookie deal, which tells you just kind of what um, a, a superstar uh, kid that that he was. And I, I suppose, look, the, these things are they're all tied up a little bit. But um, in in terms of there's been a huge amount of change around. We talked you talked a little bit about Harbaugh earlier. It 
to me, it, it feels a little bit like the Dan Reeves situation. Um, you know, now, although Reeves never had the ring, Harbaugh has the ring, which probably inoculates him a little bit more, but he's always knocking on, on the door, but hasn't gotten back there. But change with the the defensive coordinator with Wick moving on, change with the OC, um, with, with Greg Broman moving on, it felt a little bit from the outside again, you know, after that game. And, and yeah, they probably should have beaten the Bengals. It felt a little bit kind of like they threw kind of um, Huntley under the bus a little bit in terms of that one play. Mm. And then it was the stuff about Lamar. Like, from your perspective, because from, from an outside perspective, it just felt like, I know the Greg Roman stuff has moved on, so maybe that takes some of the toxicity away. But given the stuff around, was Lamar injured? given the stuff about fans' displeasure with Greg Roman, given the stuff around kind of maybe Harbaugh's frustration about they should have won and hunt the underbus, it felt like all was not right in the Ravens' camp. Was that the the feeling you had as, as a fan or am I just kind of over-egging it? No, well, there were certainly, like, uh, I'm sure people on Red Zone will even remember how passive that Ravens defense was in the opening weeks with that switch uh, away from Wink and the key was so gung-ho on defense that you're kind of used to that and then they kind of flipped the script in there in that regard and it took a little while to get going but once they did it actually settled into a pretty good defense uh, but then do you remember the Marcus Peters altercation with Harbaugh when he was coming off the off the field and that was probably indicative of what a lot of Ravens fans were thinking like why are we constantly doing the same thing and you know losing the same way because the Ravens blew so many leads in the season just gone like the, the record could have looked a lot better if they had been more clinical and um, so yeah I think I think Harbaugh and I'm sure the ownership probably have this same view that he's a safe pair of hands and you know this is a brilliant to use a, a soccer or football term he's a great man manager is he coming from that special teams background? So he doesn't play. He doesn't. He doesn't offer up um, as if he's like some offensive guru or defensive guru. He's just a great people person, and you know, as has been shown by um, how he's managed to manage things uh, through this period. And you know, what I always loved about the Ravens, even from the very early days, was how that identity, like people might scoff at it from the inside looking in but you kind of know what you're getting when the Ravens come into town or when you go up to Baltimore because it, it's um, it's in your face you know run the ball down your throat and that's what you're going to get in hard defence so um, that's what I get. like a lot of teams maybe it, it's coach on coach this thing people fall into a habit of we have a coach who does one thing didn't work out let's get someone who's the complete opposite I've never had that as a Ravens fan and I'd like to think if they did move on from Harbaugh at some point in the future that they've kind of stick with tradition a little bit because it's obviously it's been a winning formula in so much as you can't point to too many bad Raven seasons possibly haven't delivered the silverware they should have but you know only one team can win it as we know yeah and feels maybe a little bit of an east coast thing like the it's kind of in the Ravens DNA you know what you're going to get the Steelers obviously have have that as as well. Philly is Philly, and, and you always know what you're you're gonna get there. So may, maybe there there's something in that. I suppose yeah. in terms of you know, and look, so much of it is probably going to be dictated by Lamar and whether he resides or whether the the, the Ravens, you know, I you know get a whole um you know bucket load of, of picks. 
But what are the the other areas that you would like to see? It doesn't have to be specific players, but um, you know, what are the areas you think they they need to strengthen if they are to um, kind of take the that next step potentially in the the playoffs? Yeah, like I think one thing they have addressed, and it's kind of playing into what I mentioned about Wing Black Martindale and his blitz heavy approach. I think they have got better at just rushing rushing fewer players but still getting to the quarterback and that was a big problem where they were leaving themselves with kind of all or nothing on a lot of those plays when they needed to get a stop or a sack and um, that's obviously with Roquan Smith coming in and he's signed for the long term which is great and then um, even like older players like Houston you know had an impact and like the Ravens are very good at identifying those players which is again why I wouldn't be so hard on Eric DaCosta because he can still identify these these kinds of players like Owe and these who can um, come in almost drag and drop and replicate what um, the previous players were doing. So I think that's probably an area they have improved in. The secondary, which would have been well lauded, and and you recall in the in the Lamar's MVP season when they ultimately lost to the Titans in there. Uh, very memorable fashion for a lot of people, I'm sure. Derek Henry, um, they had a, like an unbelievable cast of characters in the secondary there, with Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters, and Jimmy Smith was still somewhat in his prime, and you know it was it was brilliant in that regard. Whereas I think now it's not quite it to that level, and I think while Marlon Humphrey is still like probably a top ten corner, and um, it's it's more like I think they need to, how would you say, like, put their stamp on things a bit more and maybe be a bit more proactive. And I don't know if that is a diktat from above and they're being told to maybe step off a bit more, but um, telling Marcus Peters to step off is a bit like asking, I don't know, a carpenter to do a plumber's job, this kind of thing. uh, He's built to do one thing, so maybe don't tell him uh, to do something else. And that's what I kind of like to see a bit more Bit more on the front foot in the secondary as well as in the at the front of the defense. Yeah, and in terms of Marlon Humphrey, yeah, top ten maybe cornerback, probably top uh, top three tweeter though. I, I think his uh, he he's one of definitely the more entertaining players um, on there. Um, in in terms, I suppose, like looking around the the division and and talking as as a Broncos fan who has Patrick Mahomes in the division. With um, Joe Burrow in in situ there, um, you know, and um, in terms of, of of Watson now, like the like it, with the we, I suppose him being out so long out of the game, what will it look like this year? And obviously um, Pittsburgh with with Kenny Pickett, like how how do you do you feel? Um, you know about the the rest of that uh, AFC North the division and um, you know the the prospects for the the Ravens over the the next few years. Yeah, like we we touched on the Bengals and did an impressive job from the base from which they came because people remember Joe Burrow's first season and I remember doing shows in the lead into that draft and there was some talk of him doing an Eli Manning and not wanting to go. Uh, to Ohio even though he's got the LC roots there but like what he's done and what the franchise at large has done is really impressive and they're going to be around for a while they've obviously got the consideration of 
signing him to a big deal and the, the knock-all effect of that. The Browns have already nailed their colours to the mask and Watson, I want to, like, you know, um, strictly on the field, obviously, the conversation. Uh, we can nearly write off the few games he had towards the end of last season because it was basically like a pre-season for him. So we'll be able to better judge what he's bringing to the party uh, next season. And then the Steelers, it doesn't matter who the Steelers have in terms of people or players, it's always going to be a one-score game whenever they play the Ravens, one way or the other. So uh, never, I'm always going to be unwilling to, to write them off and even how they managed to rally to close the playoff contention. Last season speaks to what a great coach Mike Collin is. So there's a lot of people putting their hands up, a lot of divisions that can put their hands up as the most competitive division in football. But year on year, you're always getting a razor close finish in the AFC North. So I wouldn't expect it to be much different Um certainly in the next couple of years. It's actually, the Ravens are probably the ones with the most uncertainty heading into the to the next season because um, until we know what's happening at quarterback, they could be the team in transition, which would have been, uh, I don't think anyone would have been calling that 12 months ago. And I suppose just kind of wondering, because um, we talked to, about how you became kind of interested in the game and a Ravens fan where did you get to enjoy um or, or have you had to, to look back on um the the sheer genius of uh, Ed Reed because it is it's amazing to just see clips of, of people talking about Ed Reed like yeah. I mean watching Ed Reed game tape is amazing but watching other players and coaches talk about Ed Reed might be even better than the game tape yeah, so I think, so I started watching properly around 09, and so I got a good chunk of Ed Reed, even though it wasn't, he was still brilliant, but he probably wasn't as absolute apex at that point. And still had key contributions, obviously, but yeah, you're so right. Like any of those uh, football lives or America's games, he somehow features in, in a few of them. And that famous one, I think it's the Bill Belichick, America's Life, where he's sitting there with Tom Brady and they're watching Ed Reed, and it's just both of them eulogizing about him. And then the famous clip, I think this is pre uh, pre Broncos Peyton Manning, so I'm not afraid to say a column. I think you still with the Colts at this point, but that play famously, where Ed Reed just absolutely manipulates the manipulator and manages to triple bluff him almost in the movement, so um, gets him to throw the ball essentially into the bread basket, and he runs it back. And Ed Reed is just like the amount of times he was not he was, wasn't even satisfied with intercepting someone. He wanted to score almost all the time, and he was actually one of the very few players who would offload the ball in a rugby style uh, to the next player and try and get even gain a few extra yards. So, just a total innovator, and I still there's, there's still a future for him as a coach. I don't know if he's going to take the the Dion Sanders route and maybe go college and build up the ladder, but um, strikes me as someone you could take a chance on because he's just got a great football brain. Anytime he speaks. Um, he seems to be very enlightening. So we probably haven't seen the last time yet. No, and I, I know that there were some kind of issues earlier this year around coaching and promises that were were made and then kind of broken. And um, I, I remember kind of seeing an actual a video from kind of Deion Sanders um, kind of supporting him. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, what might uh, happen there. But yeah, I think what you said earlier in terms of that piece around the the off season and Lamar, I think the entire thing hinges on that because if that were to to be the case, and say if the if the Falcons, you know, were to make it an enormous offer, you know, and and that's where Lamar went, and suddenly 
the the Ravens have all these picks, and then if the Bears decide, well, you know, we will take QB, and all of a sudden they're trading. There's there are so many kind of ifs, buts, and and maybes um in this. Um, Ron, I want to thank you for for taking the the time to to chat to me. You've been very generous uh, with your with your time. If listeners want to um, find you, where can they go about doing that? Um, I suppose Twitter is probably the main place if you want to see my um, my NFL takes. But uh, am I might probably weeping when Lamar Jackson gets traded. It's at Ronan Reigns. So think of the wrestler and just change it to Ronan rather than Ronan. So I actually got that handle when Roman Reigns was, was on the way up. And my wrestling fandom has waned, but it's still a great username. So I've stuck with it. Yeah, I know. You still uh, have some uh, some decent kind of old school wrestling uh, clips and, uh, and and gifts, and obviously um, with uh, with Gronk, uh, someone involved both with WWE and with Fox on the commentary, and with Vince McMahon's kind of um, inevitable McAfee. links, the tentacles, perhaps everywhere. Yeah, Pat McAfee as well, probably one of the greatest crossover. Athletes in in WWE in terms of what he's actually done in the ring, so uh, man seems to be able to do everything. True, true, and and, and a true hype man uh, as well. So, um, Ronan, want to thank you uh, for your time, and um, look, we will see how it plays out for Lamar and the Ravens. Yeah, absolute pleasure, Colin. Thanks for having me.